We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Home and home. Antonio Brown circling the drain. Are we looking at the next Hernandez-type documentary ending? It is disturbing what is happening to the former great, former All-Pro, future Hall of Famer, perhaps, receiver. How does this story end? And it was a bad day for a couple of mascots. It's a Thursday home and home, a radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Check out ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. They are the smartest way to hire. We'll get into Antonio Brown and where this story is headed. How might it end And the amazing Aaron Hernandez documentary, Is There a Connection? But first, Ross Tucker, it was a very bad day Wednesday for a couple of mascots. The most frightening mascot in all of sports, Gritty, of the Philadelphia Flyers, terrifying even before you heard accusations that Gritty is being accused of punching a 13-year-old kid in the back of the head. There is apparently no video of the alleged incident that happened at Wells Fargo Center, but the dad of that kid wants the Flyers to pay them back for the hospital visit that he says followed Gritty punching him. And why was Mr. Peanut, hashtag R.I. Peanut, trending all day on Twitter? Because Mr. Peanut, the 104-year iconic mascot, apparently passed away in a Super Bowl promo, an ad they rolled out where he sacrificed himself to save a couple of actors and friends, including Wesley Snipes. And we may see the funeral at the Super Bowl. I don't think he's dead. I think he's just roasted. I think he's honey nut roasted and he will come back from the death. But Ross, which mascot had a worse day? Was it Gritty or was it Mr. Peanut? Uh, definitely gritty because there's a real person under that uniform, that mascot outfit that's going to get in a shitload of trouble if this is true. Let me just ask you something. I, I haven't seen the whole police report, but what can gritty do to a 13 year old that caused him to go to the hospital? Like, yeah, doesn't the, the he guy- have like fur, like padding, <laughs> fur padding on his hands? Like, what can he do? I mean, did he hit him so hard that he knocked him over and he hit his head on the the ground or the chair? I don't get it. Right, and and he was alleged to have punched in the back of the head a thirteen year old kid, and I hate to laugh about it, but I'm laughing about it because. In my estimation, if Gritty, the creepiest mascot in all professional sports, hit an adult, let alone a child, there'd there'd be cell phone video, there'd be hundreds of people talking about it. Someone certainly would have witnessed it. And they said he had to go to the chiropractor because he had some sort of bruised back. I agree with you. It's hard to imagine how... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dave, there's cameras everywhere. Like, what are we talking about here? At the right. Wells Fargo Center, there's cameras yeah. everywhere. So, first of all, 
there would be somebody else that would have seen it. He's kind of the mascot. You know what I mean? Like, somebody would have seen the mascot hitting a kid in the back, number one. Number two, there's cameras everywhere. Number three, let me just tell you, if a mascot punched one of my kids, that mascot's a dead man. Dead. Dead. I I dream about shit like that. I dream about having the legal right to destroy somebody, especially in a mascot uniform like that. That would be hilarious. I'd smash Gritty's head into the wall. Like, what are you talking about? If someone pushes your kid, I, I'm pretty sure it's a law. You're allowed to kill them, and I would kill them. So I think this dad's full of you-know-what, and I'd have more respect for the dad if he beat up Gritty than if he's trying to get his money back for the hospital visit. Come on, dude. Yeah, th- there is no way. Yeah, I agree. There's no way you're walking away from that moment as a father. You're kicking some ass. And Ross Tucker versus Gritty. Boy, would that be pay-per-view action. Have you ever had an uncomfortable moment with the mascot in all your playing days? And if, and if there's one mascot, is there one that that you might want to throw a blo- uh, throw a punch at? You know, I mean, obviously growing up uh, an Eagles fan, I was uh, and Philly fan. I love the Philly fanatic, which is kind of a weird looking mascot, too. I never had a negative. I don't remember having a negative interaction with a mascot. No. And even as a player, I'm trying to think if I ever tried to engage the other team's mascot. I think I told you the closest I ever came to that was the one time I played in Oakland at the Black Hole. And pregame warm-ups for the Buffalo Bills, I went right up to the black hole and I was like, is that it? You guys don't look that tough to me. And they're all like, ah, like trying to grab at me with all their spikes and shit. It was fun. I had fun with it. But I don't remember any, any like mascot. No. Yeah, Philly Fanatic against Gritty would be a, an interesting pay-per-view mascot brawl. I was surprised at the attention on Mr. Peanut, though, because, like, is he really even top 10 when you think of, like, brand mascots? I mean, I was doing a little just uh, rapid fire, and I thought Who Toucan Sam— Who gives shit about Mr. Peanut? Right, because, I mean, Toucan Sam, Michelin Man, Energizer Bunny, Tony the Tiger, Pillsbury Doughboy, Chester Cheetah from Cheetos, Trix Rabbit, Kool-Aid Man. Like, I don't even think he's near the top ten. You agree? No, I didn't even know who Peanut Man was until he died this week. I know what you're talking about now. He's on the label. He's got the monocle or whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah, I know who he is, but, like, I would if you said to me, think of 20 of those guys. Peanut guy would not have been in the top 20. I will say this. Peanuts are delicious. Uh, Rank your peanuts right now. How many are there? So honey roasted is number one easily, right? Definitely. No question. I I could destroy an insane amount of honey roasted peanuts. I like nuts. And they're going to cut that up and post that somewhere. That's not good. Um, Anyway, I'm going to keep talking. Cashews, pistachios, all kinds of edible nuts. Um, so there, what are they? There's dry roasted. There's but peanuts salted. the worst. Peanuts the worst nut, right? I mean, like almonds, cashews, f- dominate the peanut. I, I'm never buying peanuts unless I'm at a baseball game and I'm just bored whoa, as shit. Whoa, 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 I don't whoa. buy a peanut. Almonds don't have that much flavor on their own. Well, 
on their own. But now you got like wasabi, honey roasted, chili lime. Like there's a million kinds of almonds. Um, hey, can almond I teach you a life hack? Here. Can I teach yeah. you a life yeah. hack? Okay. Here's what I do. Because I'm crazy healthy. I'm trying to stay under 250. I want to live my 40s in the 240s. All right. So for a meal, I'll either have a banana or apple slices. And what I do is cut up the banana or have apple slices. I love that slicer thing. You go, and all the slices go pop out. I love that thing. And so I take it and I'll put peanut butter, like, I don't know, low, low, whatever peanut butter, natural peanut butter on the apple, bite into it, eat that. And then Dave, take a handful of raw organic almonds and pop them in while the peanut butter flavor is still in my mouth. After I finish the apple or the banana, it's like peanut butter covered almonds. So I'm getting the protein. I'm getting healthy. I'm getting more of a meal uh, to go with my fruit, but I'm not having to put any kind of sugar or anything bad on. I'm just getting the after effects of the peanut butter that was on the banana or the apple. Genius. Wow. And another brilliant life hack from Ross Tucker, parenting, booed, booze, food, and, and nuts, apparently, too. Um, another life hack is you finally come around, Ross, and join me in watching Killer Inside, the mind of Aaron Hernandez, the former Patriots tight end, now deceased. It is fascinating entertainment. If you haven't seen the three-part series on Netflix, dives into the player, the incredible talent that Aaron Hernandez was, dives into the sexuality, which we didn't really know much of anything about during uh, his playing days or certainly not during the trial. It is a fascinating look at Odin Lloyd, who Aaron Hernandez shot and one of the worst and clumsiest crimes you could ever imagine. You finally come around. You are watching this series. What was your first impression? Well, first of all, Dave, I thought you were going to transition from talking about nuts to Antonio Brown, by the way, which would have been maybe controversial, but also epic if you had done so. As for Aaron Hernandez, in honor of you, my wife and I watched part one, just part one last night. That is the first time since August that I have sat down and watched a television program of any kind with my wife, for sure. Uh, and it was excellent. Loved it. Uh, the quarterback and his dad weirded me out a little bit. You know, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know about those two. The quarterback and the dad. Um, but it was fascinating. It's extremely well done. I encourage people that listen to us on demand to go back a couple of days ago. We had Kevin Armstrong, one of the producers of the documentary on. So glad we had him on. And I really think, Dave, uh, it, it was a combination of, so far, I need to watch parts two and three. But so far, a combination of his sexuality and how he felt about that, you know, the uh, probably deep-rooted issues that Hernandez had about that, plus 
his dad dying, plus his mom going with the, you know, basically taking his cousin's husband or boyfriend or whatever right after his dad died. I mean, he came from a very messed up family. Like, there's no question. Combine that with the sexual, it still doesn't, it still doesn't make it okay what he did, but that's my theory as to why he became so messed up. I mean, in the one phone call from jail, he tells his mom that's why he's so messed up. There are a lot of theories. Um, the two theories most prevalent are, one, it was the CTE, and Jose Baez, the attorney for Aaron Hernandez, has said that the CTE is what made Aaron Hernandez turn truly bad and make these types of decisions and the unraveling began with that um and then the documentary explores his sexuality how he was had a gay relationship with a high school teammate there that ross referenced so the documentary explores how that may have played into the suicidal tendencies of aaron hernandez and how is that um cte angle connected to what we're seeing with Antonio Brown today. We may never know, but it certainly feels like a similar unraveling to what happened with Aaron Hernandez. Kevin Armstrong, the producer of that documentary, told us it was around the time that, that his father died, that Aaron Hernandez's father died, that things turned bad. When did things really get out of control with Antonio Brown? At what point did this really begin to unravel so rapidly, leading to yesterday when an arrest warrant was issued for Antonio Brown by Hollywood Florida police on a felony charge of burglary and battery. Now, this all comes following an incident at his home on Tuesday where Brown and his trainer apparently assaulted a moving truck driver. I can't help but connect these two stories. Now, look, Antonio Brown has not killed anyone, but he is alleged to have committed several crimes now. I can't help but connect these two stories and how fast they seem to be unraveling, how elite talent they both possessed. I mean, you're talking worldly talent. We forget how great Aaron Hernandez was. We very much remember that Antonio Brown was the best wide receiver in the NFL for at least a five-year period. And now, from the time of his release by the Raiders, subsequent release by the Patriots. This story is unraveling faster than I can ever recall anything in recent memory, with the exception of Hernandez, and maybe that period of time for Tiger Woods, he clearly pulled back out of it. This feels like it is going to end in a very frightening Netflix documentary as well, Ross. I agree, Dave. And uh, I mean, obviously, you'd think that the Steelers or the Raiders or the Patriots would be a wake up call for him. I'm sure people close to him have tried to get him to get help. Drew Rosenhaus cutting ties. He seems like he's in that position where he doesn't think he needs help, doesn't want any help, and it could end really poorly. It is very sad. But I also, Dave, have a big time problem when people want to put and associate CTE with guys like Antonio Brown and Aaron Hernandez. I feel like that is just such a an excuse. And frankly, there's no evidence in my mind of that. Look, Aaron Hernandez was 23 years old. 
And I understand that, you know, the brain bank at BU came back and said that he did have CTE. But almost every guy that plays football in the NFL for a number of years has CTE of some extent, and they're not killing people. Okay. And you listen to those conversations that he had on the phone. This is not a guy that was struggling cognitively. This is not a guy that was struggling to remember stuff or anything like that. I think that my guess is Hernandez's lawyer is just trying to get money from this and, and get money from the NFL. And that's why he's blaming CTE. But I don't find that to be credible at all. Not at all. There are hundreds of guys. I mean, Aaron Hernandez never even blocked. He never, he didn't even have that many helmet to helmet contacts. Like so many other guys that play 14, 15 years, 10 years in the NFL. The guy played a few years. He was 23 years old as a pass catching tight end. I don't buy that at all. I don't buy that that's the issue with the Antonio Brown at all either. I think it's much more likely that it's some type of mental health issue and or a combination of a number of circumstances like we discussed with, you know, Aaron Hernandez. I'm curious. I'm curious how at the end of the day, five, 10 years from now, I hope it's 20 or 30 or 40 years from now that Antonio Brown, look, this just feels like it's unraveling so fast that it's going to have a very dangerous ending for AB. And I am very curious how much CTE will eventually play into the stories, the unraveling of both of these athletes. I don't think at this point anything's going to pull AB out of this downward spiral. It is circling the drain so fast. It makes your head spin. Look, just a couple of months ago, I was here saying, I think someone else should sign Antonio Brown. I thought he would get a job before the end of the season. I am clearly wrong about that. So how do the people in New England feel about this? Let's listen in on WEI Sports Radio in Boston. Opinions on AB and the downward spiral. When do you learn, though? You you really can't figure out on your own to not... uh, beat up a moving truck driver because he won't give you your stuff because you won't pay him? Get out of here. Do you think Brady's embarrassed that he supported this guy and had him stay at the house and then continued to like every Instagram post for months? Of course he is. You think he is? I still think that hit he took from Vontez Perfect changed him because he became an absolute lunatic. It's the CTE excuse. I don't buy it. How many guys... How many guys have taken hits like that in the NFL? I've never seen. And they it. Don't, I've never and they seen. Don't. I thought he died on the field. I, 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 I are you re- are you really giving, not entirely? But I do do. I, I'm just saying, you're giving him. You're, you're not a pass. Oh God, no, no. But you're saying that is the cause of it. Just say, I'm just saying that ever I mean, since that hit he took, he's been a completely different person and an utter lunatic. And you know what? All that talent. And millions of dollars, Wasted. and he can't keep his stuff together. He is what? arguably the best receiver that has caught a football over the last six years in the National Football League, and he cannot stay on the field because he is crazy. I've got to apologize to Ken, who was completely right about Antonio Brown. Thank you, Ron. Who mm-hmm. is a lunatic. 
Like, this guy shouldn't be using a can opener. He shouldn't be operating <laughs> anything in the, a washing machine, a butter knife, you know. I mean, honestly, honestly, God, I know the Patriots evaluate um, the football intellect of players when they come to them. Yeah. But with this guy, he's got to be evaluated by somebody who really knows what they're doing. I mean, this guy should be in a straitjacket. I think he ever makes it back to the NFL at this no, point? No. No? No, no, Never? no, 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 no. I think now everyone's out. Rosenhaus bid him farewell. What agent, unless they were like a rookie or someone just looking to cash in and get a big ticket, who would want to represent this guy? Don't know who would want to represent this guy. Don't feel comfortable any, long, any longer laughing at the story of Antonio Brown because it feels like this man needs help and needs it fast, or we're we looking at the end of Antonio Brown very, very fast. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. Again, only five minutes of commercials here on Home and Home per hour. Up next, we're going to dive more into that Las Vegas NFL draft story, the stage at the Bellagio, the future of gambling in the league, and what about the survival of the NFL in Los Angeles? Can that city support two teams? We'll ask Arash Markazi of the Los Angeles Times after a quick break here. And also Kendrick Perkins weighs in on the Zion debut in 15 minutes. Big final 30 minutes, just like a big way to fill any job that you need to fill is ZipRecruiter. They send your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. They've got powerful matching technology. It scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As those applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. That's ziprecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I'm Dave Briggs in Connecticut. Ross Tucker's in Pennsylvania. Home and home, a radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Check them out at ziprecruiter.com slash enter. Let's get into NFL Vegas and the embrace of the NFL of gambling with Arash Markazi, former senior writer at ESPN and Sports Illustrated, now sports columnist at the LA Times. Arash, thanks for being up bright and early with us out on the left coast. Boy, when you tweeted out this image of the draft stage at the upcoming NFL draft at the Bellagio Fountains, Twitter exploded. What was your first reaction? Is it cool or is it really corny? Well, I think it's cool, but then again, I'm one of those who really does like Las Vegas and, and kind of got a heads up pretty um, early on in the process that they were going to try to accentuate or highlight every um, aspect of Las Vegas. So they're going to have two stages, the, the stage in the Fountains of Bellagio, will be the red carpet stage. They're going to have a main stage next to Caesars. They're going to have a variety of locations. They're going to close down the strip for three days, which they've never done before. They've they, they closed down the strip for one day or half a day, never for three consecutive days. So I kind of like it. I think it'll be fun. We'll see how it all turns out. 
Yeah, I'm curious, Arash, you know, with them being in Vegas, how much you believe that this is sort of the, the precursor for the NFL embracing gambling even more. They're clearly embracing everything Vegas. Does this, in your mind, mean they're also going to be embracing everything gambling? Yeah, you know, so I talked to the commissioner in Las Vegas. I, I was out there for the Conor McGregor fight, and uh, he spoke to the Chamber of Commerce there Friday, and he was very complimentary, or at least uh, saying how sports gambling can, like, add a new – uh, uh, a fan enjoyment. I mean, he was basically making it seem like this is sort of like a new concept. And it's like, we all know how, how long uh, gambling has been connected to football, but he's finally embraced it. He kind of has to. Caesars is a, is a uh, partner with the league now. So it's something that they know moving forward that they have to do. And, you know, guys, I mean, I think this is just the beginning. Not only do they have the draft there, not only do they have the Raiders there, I would not be shocked if moving forward the Pro Bowl is there, if the Super Bowl goes there in 2025. Uh, you know, this is sort of the beginning between the relationship between the NFL and then Las Vegas. Yeah, it is still a very awkward embrace, though. They've even pushed back on the studies that show the NFL could make $2.3 billion in terms of their gambling uh, profits. Talking to Arash Markazi, LA Times sports columnist, why has the NFL, in your estimation, been so reluctant? You now have 12 states where sports gambling is now legal, and yet you still can't talk about it in the telecast. Do you think that is something that could change in the upcoming uh, TV deals? And why is the league so reluctant to embrace it? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, the conversation I had with the commissioner Friday was the first time that I've really seen him um, openly embrace sports gambling, sports wagering. I think those days are gone now. I mean, I think when you have the, the NFL draft on the Strip, on the Fountains of Bellagio, next to Caesars Palace, the Raiders are there. They are now the officially the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, those days are gone. So, you know, and by the way, it, it, it's been gone for some time. I mean, I, I did a piece recently how you basically, if you go to MetLife Stadium, you can walk across the street and place a, 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 a bet on the game. So, you know, it was only a matter of time. I, I, I do understand their reluctance to embrace it in the past when it wasn't it wasn't legal um, outside of Nevada. But now that it is legal, not only is it legal in 12 states, it'll be legal in all 50 states or the majority of the states very soon. And more so than that, it's it's legal in a state where they have a team there. And in, in a city where they're going to fully embrace it, again, the, the, the draft, I think the Pro Bowl, the Super Bowl, I think all those events will be in Las Vegas in the near future. Mm. Arash, I'm curious. You live in L.A. You spend a lot of time in Vegas. Which, which city do you think will have more NFL success? The, the, the Vegas Raiders or the L.A. Chargers and Rams? I don't mean on the field. I mean commercial success, business success for those franchises. I think the Rams will be the most successful team. They're moving into a $5 billion SoFi Stadium. They are becoming the most popular team here in Los Angeles. I think they are, you know, the signature team here um, in 
Los Angeles, you know, the issue with the Chargers I've always felt was that they did not rebrand. They they mistakenly believed that just because they're moving to two hours up north that they're that they're going to keep their fans in San Diego. And while maybe a, a few of them make that commute, the, the vast majority have not. And so I always felt that if they had a chance in Los Angeles, they should have rebranded that. You know, that never made sense to me. The issue that both of them will encounter invariably is that those are – big transient towns, big tourist destinations. So already you you have a fan base there. Let's just use like the Green Bay Packers or Chicago Bears for like an example. There there are so many fans there who are who have their uh they they, they watch those games on TV, they go to sports bars and if you're a Packers fan for example and you're, you're looking at the schedule and you and you're going to make one road trip That road trip is going to be Los Angeles. That road trip is going to be Las Vegas. So those uh, those two cities will always have a lot of opposing fans, and and I think that 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 just goes to the transient nature of both the locations and how they're big tourist stops. So, um, but in terms of commercial success or in, in terms of profitability, the Rams will be the most profitable team, I think. Talking to Arash Markazi, LA Times sports columnist. Can the Chargers actually survive there? Can that city support two NFL football teams? And give us a sense of where the NFL ranks for sports fans in Los Angeles. It at least feels opposite coast, like it's well behind the Lakers, now the Clippers, uh, probably at least uh, USC football as well. Where does it rank? You know, it's hard. You know, so here's the thing, and a lot of people forget this, and I think this comes with the um, arrogance maybe of the National Football League. For 21 years, not only did they not have a team here, they they flirted with Los Angeles. They used Los Angeles as a leverage for other teams to get a a new stadium. So for 21 years, they not even didn't have a team here. They didn't hold a preseason game here. They didn't hold training camp here. They had nothing to do with Los Angeles. And they plopped two teams here that were not very good, and they expected Los Angeles to embrace both teams. And that's going to take time. I think the Rams in time will be right up there. I think they're right there. I think they are more popular than the Clippers. Now, when you talk about the gold standard of Los Angeles sports, it's the Lakers, it's the Dodgers. It's USC football when they're good. They're not good right now. So I put the Rams up there, actually. I, I put them behind the Lakers and the Dodgers. But I certainly put them in front of the Clippers. I mean, you look at the Clippers, as good as they are on the court, you could still walk up to the door game night and get a $10 ticket to go see them play. The issue um, with, the, with, the, with the Chargers, I think, is them being the second team here. So you do have to see, okay, what what is profitable? Like, what what makes commercial success? Because their lease agreement at SoFi Stadium is actually fantastic in terms of well, what they get to keep. Now, if they were to move somewhere else, what other stadium are they going to move into that's, that's going to give them that ability to kind of get those number of suites, club seats? Well, you, know, you, you, you have to realize that they're moving into a $5 billion stadium that – that like outside of you know the league mandated um, you know what what they're con- con- contributing they're, they're not really paying a ton for this thing but they're getting all the game day in terms of tickets and concessions and things like that so you know well, by the way like the, the idea that they moved to London I mean that they, they would fall well below every. 
every soccer team that they have in London if they move there, and it would be the same thing. I mean, I've been to those teams in London. I mean, a, a, a Chargers uh, Chiefs game, for example, in London would have just as many opposing fans. Now, the one home game they had was Mexico City. Maybe that's a possibility. But again, I think it, it can be successful. But the problem is they will, they will never be the team of Los Angeles. That they they lost that as soon as they left San Diego. Do they need Tom Brady, Arash? And you think they're going to try to get him? Wait, can you can you repeat that, Ross? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Do you think that the Chargers need Tom Brady to have a chance to sell those luxury boxes and club seats? And you think they're going to go after him? 100%. I, I don't know if they are going to go after him. I've written about it. I think this makes the most sense. He is the uh, transcendent star of this league. He is the LeBron James. He's the Wayne Gretzky. He's the number one guy who could move the needle. There's no one else that they could sign that could sell jerseys, PSL, club seats, you name it, the way Tom Brady could. And Fanatics, that, that, that fan site where you could purchase jerseys and whatnot, they gave me an amazing stat. On Cyber Monday... In Black Friday, more Tom Brady jerseys were sold in Los Angeles than in New England. Now, maybe that has to do with there's a lot of transplants here or whatnot, but the, the, huh. there's no one who would move the needle the way Tom Brady would. So if they're going to move past Phillip and if he's no longer going to be the quarterback, they need to go after Tom Brady, and it's not just because of on the field. When I've mentioned this in the past, people have said, why would they go from a 38-year-old quarterback to a – it has nothing to do with on the field. This is not about them being a Super Bowl team, although I think he would help them to that point. This is about them moving the needle here um, in Los Angeles, which they have not done yet. Nobody could move the needle like Tom Brady if he were with the L.A. Chargers next season. Arash Markazi, great to have you on the program. Really appreciate you getting up early for us. Great insights. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, so Tom Brady moves the needle, but nobody in the NBA right now moves the needle like Zion Williamson. The former Duke Blue Devil finally made his NBA debut last night, and it started slow and then exploded in a three-minute span. Let's talk about it with Kendrick Perkins, former Boston Celtic NBA champ, uh, one of the fellas on Scal and Pals following us on the Radio.com app. Perk, great to have you on the program, man. I know you were there to witness the debut of Zion. Have you ever seen anything like that three-minute period in the fourth quarter? No, I haven't. Uh, and to be honest, I haven't seen a rookie in the NBA like Zion except for LeBron James. I mean, I literally – was at the game an hour and a half before the game started, so I got a chance to watch the kid warm up. And I was so impressed on how poised this kid was. He it, he wasn't nervous at all. It was like he was ready for this moment. And I was just sitting there watching him warm up, and I was like, nah, this kid is, I mean, he's built for for superstar status like this is this is him before he even touched the before the game even started now I, I to me that that what he did those points where he put up in those three minutes I've never seen that but that just that goes to show you that this kid has that the talent let alone but he has the heart to do it like he's not scared of the moment 
And 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 that was my biggest takeaway from last night for us with Zion. Perk, is he already the your number one guy in terms of guys you want to watch? Like I like watching Giannis and Luca, but I think he's already like the number one guy where it's like, okay, if Zion's on TV Friday night, I'm gonna watch that. Absolutely. He's box office. I mean, you you're gonna turn on your TV, you're gonna make sure you're in front of the got everything done, everything out the way. This guy is box office. And you know what? It didn't surprise me last night because even the expectations he had coming out of high school when he went to Duke, he he held it. Like, you know, everything about it when he was at Duke, he did everything and more. And when you find a kid like that that's ready for the moment, that, that lives up to the hype, there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to do this night in and night out. And I want y'all to think about this, right? He didn't have one single highlight dunk last night, but everyone was impressed by Zion Williams. Now, I haven't heard one person on social media, on the television today, this morning, one person say anything negative about this kid, and they shouldn't. Yeah, the, the thing that stood out the most was, of course, Four for four from three-point range. He did not hit four threes in any game at Duke. And we're talking to Kendrick Perkins, NBA champ with the Celtics, part of Scal and Pals on the Radio.com app. He was at the game with ESPN last night. Um, look, I know I'm picking on Ben Simmons here, but how do you explain that Zion Williamson in a couple of months put together what appears to be a legit three-point threat that Ben Simmons can't do in three years? He's hit two threes in two and a half seasons, Zion with four last night. And does that make his game potentially unstoppable? Absolutely. But it goes to show you, first of all, it's called kahunas. The kid got kahunas. He don't care. Like, he's not scared of the moment. And on top of that, I talked with the, the uh, general manager, David Griffin, who was a good friend of mine, and he was telling me how much this kid was working how much he was standing in the gym working on his three-point shot, and he showed. And he went out there and he shot that ball. Like I said, I haven't seen a kid with this maturity level since LeBron James. And then you know what else is crazy? Everybody want to sit around and talk about, talk this shit about, you know, hey, uh, you know, Zion, he need to lose weight and all this stuff. Man, I, I watched this kid and I was literally 10 feet away from him. And everything about him, when I watched him, everything about him, his body, was he was in shape. I'm talking about his physique was showing. He looked chiseled. So I asked David Griffin, I said, man, what is his body fat? His body fat is 8%. 8%. And when you see him up close and you watch the way he can move up and down the court, the way he, he, he does his offensive moves and get to the basket and explode, you would be like, wow, man, this is, I, 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 I've never seen this. Perk, uh, I love him. Uh, I'm a football guy, obviously. I still want to see him play tight end for somebody, but I love watching him play. I said, I mean, I don't mind him draining the threes. I want to see him break somebody's wrist, you know, breaking the, uh, pulling the rim down. That's what I'm into. But I got to be honest to you, you would know more than me, but I'm nervous for him at 285 with how explosive he is, how he gets up off the floor, 
how he runs. Can a guy with his frame at 285 play 80 games a night for 15 years? Or do you think that we should really all enjoy Zion for the next five to seven years because he's probably not, his joints probably aren't going to be able to hold up for the long haul. What do you think? Well, well, to be honest, I don't know if the kid weighs 285, right? Because he's like 6'6", six, six, he's real chiseled. I would put him in a category of probably weighing like 265, 270, something around there. But I don't think he weighs 285, but you have to see him up close in person. I think his weight, his size is is an advantage for him, in my opinion. I, I mean, like, because I'm watching him, and he's he's only about 6'6", but he's chiseled, man. I'm telling you, he is really, really chiseled, man, when you see him up close in person. And I don't think his weight plays a factor. Listen, I was a guy, and I'm not close to Zion at all, right? But I played um, 14 years in the league, and not one time, I mean, one time I was like one, 270. But other than that, I always played around 295, 300. Now, I tell you, the game has changed, and he is Zion Williamson, and he's going to be playing 30-plus minutes a night. But just in my opinion, because I was one of those guys who had a knock on him too about his weight, I don't see it being a factor. I actually see, I actually think this is his NBA size. Like, I think this is what plays to his advantage, his strength. His, his Zion matches him. Like, because I'm telling you, man, that that kid is really swole and he's chiseled. And, and mm. man, I, I, I was just sitting watching. I was like, wow, I'm amazed by this kid. And it was just doing warm-up. I didn't miss a Zion game at Duke being a big Duke fan. I don't remember his booty being that big. It was large and in charge, and that can post up a brother down low. Talking to Kendrick Perkins, uh, NBA champ with the Boston Celtics, uh, part of the ESPN telecast last night, who streams, and also Scal and Pals on the Radio.com app. Quickly, I am still picking my job off the floor from when Brian Scalabrini of Scal and Pals told me once, he thinks the NBA comp is Draymond Green. Look, Draymond's a great player. I think the ceiling is far, far higher. Is it Carl Malone? Is it Charles Barkley? Or is there no NBA comp for the potential that Zion has? Hey, my, hey listen, I'm going to tell you this, man. I love Scatter Dev, but when he made that comp, I think he was he might have had too much of that 1942 a little bit, man. If his face was red, <laughs> Scal was tripping because... <laughs> I, to me, he is just Zion. It's just like, to me, it's almost like people who's trying to find that comp for Patrick Mahomes. And I told this to other people, oh, he's Dan Marino, Dan Marino mixed with uh, this guy and that guy. To me, no, he's just Patrick Mahomes. That's the same thing with Zion. He is just Zion. He's a guy that we've never seen before. And, you know, we're going to be comparing other guys to him. I just haven't seen a guy with that type of build, that structure, that's that athletic, that can move that quickly, that sh that's real shifty, he's real nimble on his feet. I haven't seen a guy like that. And his game is different than any other guy I've ever seen. So he is just Zion Williamson, in my, in my, Zion Williamson, in my opinion.
Perk, you mentioned Patrick Mahomes. Before we get you out of here, uh, I know you like football. Who, who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl and why? Well, I think the my mind is telling me to go with Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs because I just don't see nobody stopping that potent offense, right? They're, they are really, 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 really good. Like, I mean, and Patrick Mahomes is the, like, he's, He's must-see TV. I'm pretty sure, even in the regular season, and I'm not even a Kansas City fan, I'm a Cowboys fan, but when Patrick Mahomes plays, I watch. So he's must-see TV. Um, I think the Chiefs' offense is one of a kind. Their play calling is, is, is off the charts. But my heart is going with the 49ers. The 49ers give you that, that feel of... Uh, like family, like you, they feel like a family. You can feel the warmth when you watch them. Like they locker room is is family. Like guys, you could tell guys really genuinely like and love being around one another. They like going to war with one another. And I tell you what, man, that damn defense over there with the Forty Niners, whoo, that front four especially, they're not playing no game. So. I think this might be one of the most exciting football games that we've seen, Super Bowls, that we've seen in a long time. And I tell you what, I'm not betting on either team. I'm going to keep my little letters in my pocket. <laughs> oh, man, I, I thought we were headed towards a San Francisco bet. I thought you were going to throw down no. a little cash on that. Come on, no. let's get a little a little wager. Man, you know what? Me and you, we could do just a little $150 wager. Man, I'll take the 49ers. No points. No points, straight up, $150. I guess we just made a wager. Kendrick Perkins, it's been a great pleasure, and now we got some money on the Super Bowl, my friend. I guess I better start rooting for Patrick Mahomes. Great to (laughs) talk to you, my friend. Thanks for coming on. We'll settle that bet in just over a week's time. Thanks, Perk. All right, thanks for having me. Appreciate it, (laughs) fellas. Wow, Ross, we Man, just stumbled that, so into an all, on-air bet. <laughs> that was awesome. That that guy's awesome. And I didn't realize he was 300 pounds, you know, when he played. I mean, I knew he was a big guy, but 14 years at 290, 300 pounds, that's a lot, man. Now, he wasn't getting off the floor like Zion is quite, but uh, I loved the way Perk played. Loved how physical he was. But that's still a lot of wear and tear on your joints, man. I guess it's still not football, though. I'm still looking at it from a football perspective. Still not football where you're getting beat up quite like that. But that's that's a lot of nights to be running up and down the court and jumping when you weigh 300 pounds. Yeah, and you and I like what you say, that you'd like to see Zion play some tight end in the NFL. Who in the NBA would you like to see? Um, like, who in the NFL would you like to see in the NBA? I, I would like to see George Kittle. Um, maybe Travis Kelsey. I always think of tight ends because they kind of go back and forth. Patrick Mahomes could probably light it up. I would kind of like to see like a, a Tyree kill and to see how his speed compares to the point guards in the NBA. Like, I feel like he'd be like a shorter Iverson, like a blur up and down the field. I think that'd be fun. Yeah, that would be exciting, although he's really at his fastest when he's chasing buddy, somebody. That's the odd <laughs> dynamic that is Tyreek Hill. Have you settled on where, where you're going with the Super Bowl? Are we going to build up to that next week? I guess I just took the Chiefs. 
Uh, we are going to build up to that. I have right. still not decided, but I, I, I am starting to have a lean, but I'm not going to tell you yet. You have to listen to tomorrow's show. I got a feeling it's going to be the Niners, but uh, I think you like the front seven on both sides, but I can't wait to find out. That'll do it for a Thursday for Ross Tucker. I'm Dave Briggs. We will see you on a home and home Friday. Hi, everyone. This is Dave Briggs. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. exclusively on the Radio.com app or at Radio.com slash home. Home and Home. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.